The Red Sox continue to bolster their depth at the minor league level while also preparing for what could be the most important meeting of their lives in the next couple days. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I am here with new Red Sox content straight to your favorite podcast feed. And what's even better, it's free. So you might as well start your day off right with the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Am I right? I certainly had a great last couple of days. I actually went on a little mini vacation overnight at a very nice resort in New Hampshire with stunning views. I highly recommend if you ever go to that area to check out more of it. It's really a beautiful state and it goes unrecognized a little bit for how pretty it actually is. So I certainly enjoyed myself. Hope you're having a great week. The Red Sox have been relatively busy this week. They're continuing to bolster their depth in a variety of ways while also preparing for a big meeting with Yashinobu Yamamoto, who's probably the most highly anticipated player we've seen in a long time. Many, many teams are interested in him this offseason, as they should be. The Boston Red Sox are one of those teams The question, though, is where is he going to decide to play? It's been reported that he's met with the Yankees, Mets, Giants, and Dodgers, and the Dodgers now have Shohei Otani. They brought Otani with them to the meeting. So they're actively trying to recruit him. And with the way that the Otani contract is structured, they absolutely can go and pay Yamamoto too. And I would never put it past the Dodgers not to actually do that. They're willing to go out and spend money. They are a big market team and they operate like a big market team as the Red Sox should be doing too. The Red Sox supposedly have a meeting coming up with Yamamoto in the coming days. I'm wondering what exactly the Red Sox are doing to prepare for that meeting. John Henry better have his checkbook in hand and be ready to write out a big check. He's the type of player that you don't miss out on. It's almost a must sign for Boston with the way that their pitching staff primarily starting rotation was in 2023. They need a pitcher like him to be that ace at the top of the rotation that they can rely on and help them to get back to competing. I'm wondering if the Red Sox have a real chance to sign him or not. It depends on his preference. He could either choose to sign to a team like the Dodgers, who obviously have a ton of talent and a championship caliber team, where he can probably excel, but will have to share a spotlight with Shohei Otani, who was also a very highly coveted free agent going into this offseason. So does he want to share the spotlight with him in L.A.? 
Or does he want to come to a place like Boston where he can have his own spotlight and have a friend who he's been teammates with before in Yoshida be with him? So that's a personal preference thing. But if I'm the Red Sox, I'm pulling out every card possible in that meeting. I'm maybe bringing guys with me like Koji Uehara or Daisuke Matsuzaka. Guys like that who succeeded in Boston and really were able to make a name for themselves. Hideki Okajima is another good example. There's guys like this who you can look at and say, if they were success stories in Boston, it makes sense for them to be able to go to the meeting and share their personal experiences with Yamamoto. If I'm the Red Sox, I'm not hesitating to bring any of those guys in who are willing to go in and talk to him during that meeting. When you're competing with a team like the Dodgers, who just went out and made this giant splash getting Otani and having the contract set up right now where it allows for their championship window to stay open for much longer because they can still afford to pay other big-time free agents, you have to do everything in your power. I've seen mixed reports on his interest level. I did see one report saying the Red Sox and Mets are interested as well as the Yankees and Cubs, but supposedly a lot of people around baseball expect the Yankees and Mets to get in this big bidding war with each other over Yamamoto and the Red Sox and Cubs aren't expected to get into a bidding war with those teams if it came down to that being the case. And that's very disappointing because why would you even bother to come and meet with Yamamoto if you don't have the intention of entering a bidding war. This team needs to realize that if you want those top-notch guys, you have to be willing to go out and do what you can to spend as much money as possible. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it's an overpay or not. I guarantee you it's not an overpay. Yamamoto is one of the most special players we've ever seen. And I would be highly, highly disappointed if the Red Sox go out there, talk to him, and then there's a bidding war going on for him and the Red Sox decide, oh, we don't want to be involved in that. For what? Why would you not get yourself involved? The Red Sox absolutely have to do everything possible and I'm not doubting Craig Breslow and his abilities here, but I am doubting ownership a little bit and ownership's ability to want to come out and actually spend real money on these players because lately it's been a lot of just trying to go bargain shopping for pitchers. And the Red Sox are not in a position to need to do that or to be able to do that. They need to go out and get these types of guys. Who knows what reports are accurate and what reports are not. Every reporter is saying something different. But it's sad that I'm not necessarily that surprised by the fact that there was a report that came out saying the Red Sox wouldn't go into a bidding war if that's what it came down to. Because honestly, 
that's the type of things that they've done. These last few years, they've seen to show no interest in going out and acquiring top-notch starting pitchers. Now is the chance to turn the table on that. You have a new guy here now in Craig Breslow who's calling the shots and hopefully running the table and able to make his own decisions. Ownership set the precedent, honestly. When they brought Craig Breslow in and sent the message that they wanted change, because they wanted somebody to come in who was able to keep them in contention and get them back to where they need to be. That's sending a message to the fan base that, hey, we're not messing around anymore. We want to go back to being the Boston Red Sox that people know us to be. And the Boston Red Sox that I know don't go bargain hunting. They're in on everybody and they're not finishing in last place in their division consistently. And they're going out and getting the guys that can help put this team in contention. I don't care how much money Yamamoto is going to be. It's likely now going to be upwards of $300 million because of that Otani contract. And it might even exceed $400 million. Just grow up, break out the checkbook and make the deal. They have to do absolutely everything they can. Now, if he picks another team because he feels more comfortable in that environment, that's acceptable to me. I can't fault the Red Sox for Yamamoto choosing to go elsewhere because he feels like it's a better fit environment-wise, and it's somewhere that he sees himself playing more. That's a decision that he can make and I can respect. Will I be upset? Yes, but that's not the Red Sox fault. They need to go out there, make a genuine effort to get him. It's a logical fit in Boston. They need that top-notch guy at the top of the rotation. He would slot right in there. He's friends with Yoshida. The Red Sox have produced some very successful pitchers in their day. They're one of the most historic franchises in baseball. Get it done. Get it done, Breslow. Get it done, ownership. Whoever is going to have the most influence, get it done. Make this the best meeting of your life, or it will be highly disappointing. The Red Sox may miss out on Yamamoto, so they probably should go out and start to think about other signings, and they have done that to a smaller extent. So I'm going to be going over some of that next. Are you largely into sports betting? If it's absolutely your thing, you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel is the best possible sports betting app for multiple reasons. One, you can bet on multiple sports at the same time, so you don't have to worry about your bets crossing over too much. You can win so much money by 
betting maybe on a hockey game that night and then betting on a basketball game. And if it's a Thursday night, betting on Thursday night football too, you can have a variety of different bets going and you could win all the money for all of them if they hit. Number two, what I like about it is there's no limit on the amount of money you can win. You can really win as much money as you want to if you go in and you make those bets. And it's a strength in numbers game. The more that you bet, the more likely you are to win. So head to FanDuel today and you'll probably become richer tomorrow. Wouldn't that be awesome? What else is also awesome is when you download the SiriusXM app, because when you do that, you don't have to miss a single pitch of Red Sox baseball. It's really simple. All you have to do is search Red Sox on the app and you can get the home broadcast of every game straight to your feed. So you don't have to worry about it. It's so nice. I highly recommend it, especially if you're anything like me and don't want to have to worry about missing any games if you can't watch live. So download the SiriusXM app today. The Red Sox haven't made a huge splash yet. The only relatively major move they've made is when they traded for outfielder Tyler O'Neill, which was a good move. I talked about it on the show. But from the point of making a huge splash, they still have yet to do that. Now, they focused on other signings. It seems like Craig Breslow, while he's trying to work on the bigger signings, has been working on bolstering the depth at the minor league level in particular, which is something that can never hurt. It always is good to have more pieces in the minors so that you can maybe eventually work them into a trade package or develop them in your system. Otani was the first domino to fall. Now other guys are probably going to start to sign, but wanted to see what the Otani contract looked like. So I'm glad that Breslow hasn't been sitting pat while other teams are making moves because most of the marquee free agents are still on the board. So there's still plenty of time for the Red Sox to make those types of moves. But while they're working on that, they've bolstered their minor league system a little bit. They signed right-hander Cooper Criswell to a one-year, $1 million contract. Very small, nothing major. Criswell's 27 years old, and he spent the last two seasons in Tampa Bay. He ultimately was DFA'd, which means designated for assignment. But he found a solid market and ended up leveraging it into a fully guaranteed big league deal. Now, being designated for assignment basically means that the Rays didn't want him anymore. They made him available. Other teams can pick him up off of waivers. And then if he doesn't get claimed, then basically that means he just gets released. Um, So the Red Sox signed him. It's a very small deal. Not too much to be excited about, though. It's a little bit underwhelming. He posted a 573 earned run average, 27 to 11 strikeout to walk ratio, 296 batting average against in 33 innings across 10 outings for the Rays last season. So 10 outings is not a big sample size. So it's really hard to conclude that he's just overall inconsistent because he didn't pitch a lot, but you can draw a conclusion that because of those numbers, he may not be the most consistent 
pitcher out there. So that's definitely something for the Red Sox to watch out for. Obviously, those numbers don't stand out to me. But the fact that he was able to secure a big league deal above the league minimum salary of $740,000 does speak highly as to how opposing teams value his abilities. So he might be more interesting and appealing to the Red Sox than it's coming across like. In AAA Durham last season, he logged a 393 ERA with an 80 to 23 strikeout to walk ratio and 260 batting average against in 84 and two thirds innings. So that's obviously a much bigger sample size. He spent significantly more time in AAA and had a lot more success there. So he was pitching well at the AAA level. Maybe there was something with the transition to the majors that threw him off and made him struggle a little bit to the point where it might have just not been the right situation for him. With the Red Sox bringing in Andrew Bailey, who was a desirable offseason hire for a lot of teams, he could work with him and maybe hone in on some of those strengths that he can provide to help bolster a pitching staff that desperately needs to be bolstered, to say the least. He's not like a very special candidate, but he's about a mid-level productivity guy. And I'd say if you can take anything away from it, it's that it's a low-risk signing. It'll help fill a 40-man roster spot for the time being. And he could prove himself in spring training. And maybe he'll get a spot out of the bullpen and be able to contribute. It's simply a depth move while the Red Sox are waiting on the big market guys, the guys who are going to provide more value. So it goes to show that Breslow's obviously busy with things. Although the first big signing by them hasn't happened yet, the worst thing that happens with Chriswell is he just doesn't pan out and they're only paying him a million dollars for one season. So it's not like they're overpaying him or losing out on a ton of money by signing him. It's not even a risk. I'm not even identifying it as a risk at all. It's more, what does this guy have in the tank? Can we give him a chance to showcase what he can do? And can he prove himself in our organization or at least show that he has potential to the point where he can eventually get called up to the majors and contribute out of the bullpen. He'll probably be a more low leverage type of guy before he proves himself. And that's fine. I mean, if he gets reps in non-high leverage situations, people will probably feel better about it anyway. It's going to take some familiarization. It's going to take him trying to get acclimated here. Like I said, I don't have super high hopes for him, but maybe Andrew Bailey can help turn him around. Maybe Breslow sees something in him that feels like could work for him. So from that standpoint, I'm hoping that the Red Sox are onto something here. But other than that, I wouldn't think into this too much or try to like dig too deep into this signing. It's strictly a depth move to add to the 40-man roster 
adding somebody who potentially could make a difference if he ends up figuring something out in Boston and could be a piece out of the bullpen. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about another low-risk signing that the Boston Red Sox made to bolster the catching unit on this team. So that's coming up next. I have a very exciting announcement to make. If you are a fan of all sports, not just Red Sox or baseball in general, you are going to love this. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's honestly very exciting. This is huge for Lockdown. No other network has a 24-7 sports streaming service on YouTube. So no matter what time of day it is, what time zone you're in, if you're missing out on your sports content, just subscribe to Lockdown Sports Today and it will have you covered for all things sports. And speaking of subscribing on YouTube, you can get Lockdown Red Sox on YouTube. So subscribe to that there or follow the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with family and friends. Leave a rating, leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at GabbyHurlbutt10 and the show on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox. And we can continue some great conversations that way about this Boston Red Sox team. Also, don't forget to download the SiriusXM app. You can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game for free. So if you ever miss a game live or can't watch it, you can at least listen to it if you download that app because if you search Red Sox, it'll generate the broadcast for you so you don't have to worry about missing a single pitch. So I encourage you to get on that today. The Boston Red Sox have signed veteran catcher Roberto Perez to a minor league deal with an invite to major league camp. It'll be a $1.4 million base salary if he's added to the roster. This simply to me means it's a move to bolster the catching depth in the minors. He might get a chance to compete for a spot. Seems like they're pretty confident in Connor Wong being the number one until Kyle Teal is ready to come up. So that's fine. I mean, Reese McGuire is a decent number too. He was definitely underrated in 2023. And if he keeps that up in 2024, he's more than fine in the number two spot. But if Perez comes to major league camp and fights for a spot and earns it, then we probably see Reese McGuire out the door. He's 35 years old, and he's been one of the better defensive catchers in the majors during his career, but his problem is that he hasn't played much recently due to the pandemic and significant issues with injuries. Over the past four seasons, he's only played in 102 games and only 26 games over the past two seasons. He ended up joining the Pirates for 2022, but only got into 21 games before a significant hamstring strain required season-ending surgery. And then he played five games for the Giants in 2023 before shoulder surgery ended his season. 
he has a very good reputation for his defense, though. He's racked up 80 defensive runs saved since making his debut in 2014. Um, Perez also is a very strong framer, so he can help his pitchers get those strike calls, even when they're not necessarily always strike calls. And that's always uh, nice, even if they're not an actual strike. But another downside to him is his offense. His offense has been less than impressive. He hit 24 homers in 2019 and hasn't hit more than eight in any other season of his career. But overall, he's hit 207 with a 298 on base percentage and 358 slugging. So he's okay. He's not going to provide the offensive productivity but the Red Sox don't need somebody who will provide the offensive productivity at that position because Kyle Teal is hanging from the rafters, probably not too far away right now. Connor Wong is still there. I mentioned Reese McGuire earlier. Whether he you know, stays around, most likely not, once Teal does come up. But Craig Breslow did say that the Red Sox feel good about their catching situation. So Perez will come into spring training as a well-respected veteran presence while giving the team a little bit of extra depth in a non-roster capacity. So it's more of a minor league signing. Again, nothing to be too excited or concerned about. His offensive numbers are pretty underwhelming. Defensively, he's good. It seems like the plan is to primarily keep him in the minors for right now. And then if one of his catchers gets injured, then he probably would get called up to the team. But the thing with the catching situation now is you can't really bank on somebody like him coming up and really playing consistently at the major league level, especially because of how good Kyle Teal is likely going to be and how close he is to actually being called up to the majors. So for all of those reasons alone, I'm definitely not, you know, saying it's a great signing for Boston, but it also really can't hurt because why not just bolster the catching depth at the minor league level? Again, this is totally something that could end up being very beneficial for Boston, or he just kind of sticks around and plays primarily in the minors. Something that is very appealing about him is his veteran experience. The Red Sox do lack a little bit in veteran presence right now, especially on the major league roster. So if he does spend any time up in the majors, that could be a good thing for the Red Sox because they need somebody in there who can be a quality personality-wise guy who can help be that locker room presence. They're definitely missing that with not having Justin Turner anymore. And I'm wondering how that's going to be made up. But when it comes to Perez, yes, it's a small move. Yes, it's just to bolster depth at the minor league level. And based on these couple signings that the Red Sox have made in the last couple days, it seems to me like Breslow is waiting for the bigger guys 
to move closer to a decision. I'm sure he's talked to guys like Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, as we know the meeting with Yamamoto is coming up. I'm sure he's talked to guys like that, but only they can make their decision and what's best for them. Hopefully those decisions happen soon because I know that people are getting antsy as to when some of these players are going to sign. But the reality is, it's never a bad thing to bolster your depth while you're waiting. I don't think it's fair to draw conclusions on Breslow and say he's Bloom 2.0. He's not willing to make the big signings. I don't think that's the case. I think it's more they feel like they need that depth anyway to help balance out this organization and the roster while they wait for some of these other guys. If they go into the season like this and they haven't made any big splashes, then I totally understand the frustration and feeling the way that you do. That's one token. Obviously, they have to show that they're willing to spend the money on some of these bigger guys because they haven't done that much at all the last couple seasons, especially from a pitching standpoint. So they have to change that narrative this offseason. But I'm not nearly at all ready yet to say that Breslow isn't going to do that just because he signed these small minor league deals. Because what else was he going to do? Sit around and do nothing? Might as well just try to bolster the minors. And also, you want to put a lot of those eggs into the Yamamoto basket, but he might sign elsewhere. And if he signs elsewhere, the Red Sox definitely should be being proactive and think about other pitchers that they feel could be a good fit, like a Jordan Montgomery type of guy. Seth Lugo signed with the Royals, so he's no longer an option. But who else do you feel like could bolster your pitching rotation in case you miss out on Yamamoto? That's the next big step I'd like to see them take. But overall, there's nothing to really be mad about with these moves. They're simply just depth moves. Let's not get on Breslow yet. Let's see what happens over the next couple weeks with some of these bigger pitchers on the market now that Otani's deal is over with and finalized. Don't forget to download the SiriusXM app where you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to worry about missing a single pitch. And honestly, it's a great feeling if you have to work late one day and you're not going to be able to get home for the start of the game. You can at least put the game on when you're driving, and it's a great feeling knowing you are still in on the action even if you're listening. So download the SiriusXM app today and search Red Sox. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube because you can get coverage of the first national sports 24-7 streaming channel ever. Nobody else has it. It's such a great opportunity for Locked On, and you can keep up with all of your sports no matter what. And it's great to feel like you're in the loop because sometimes it can be daunting constantly scrolling through Twitter. So make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube, you won't be disappointed. As always, keep the faith. Please be patient. Things will happen. Go Red Sox, and I will catch you on the flip side.